Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday Evening Podcast. Today, Pastor Rex Johnson begins a new two-part series. For part one, we dive into the Old Testament books of 1 Kings and Psalms. And now, with tonight's message entitled, Why Does Adonijah Reign? Here's lead Pastor Rex Johnson. I want to speak tonight on, on a, it's a little concept, and, and if, you, if you don't know your Bible, it's all right. I'm going to explain it. I will explain it. But I, I, want, to, I want to talk to you tonight on this subject. Why does Adonijah reign? Why does Adonijah reign? Now, you say, well, Pastor, who's Adonijah? Never heard of him. I've heard of David. I've heard of Solomon. I've heard of all these people. I've heard of Moses, but Adonijah. I want to talk to you tonight about this. Now, if, if you'll just pay close attention, when I read my text tonight, you're going, to, you're going to get a concept and a grasp of who Adonijah is, okay? But I want to talk about him tonight, and it is important that I start the month of December with this concept. By the way, last night, Tuesday night prayer was incredible. All the people that got to come and be a part and all you that prayed at home, we had a prayer meeting last night, did we not? Isn't that wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful? The prayer was awesome. We got to ministering to one another last night, and this place was just a firebrand of God last evening. I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 1 tonight. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 13 in the NIV. I'm good, kids. Verse 5 through 13. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready and with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father, verse 6, had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? His father was David. He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruiah, and with Abathar, the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok, the priest, Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei and Rai, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep. He sacrificed cattle and fattened calves at the stone of Zohileth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet or Benaniah, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, has become king, and our Lord David knows nothing about it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go into the king David and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to me, your servant, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Psalms chapter 75, verse 5 through 7 in the NIV says, Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges he brings one up, he exalts, he brings one down, and he exalts another. God is the one that lifts, and God is the one that puts down. So we honor him tonight. I want to preach to you tonight, why does Adonijah reign? Would you take somebody by the hand and say, Pastor, preach to us tonight. 
Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. That's all I ask for tonight. Promotion is an interesting thing. It's the struggle in the earth. The struggle that we fight is for authority. The devil would like to be in charge of everything in this world. I've got news for him. He's not. Authority is directed and determined by what we call leadership. Those whom we follow and whom we elevate to leadership. God's people are not supposed to be promotion seekers or self-exalting. But we should exalt the God of heaven. Elisha, who received a double portion from Elijah, was in the field plowing when God found him. David was tending sheep for his father Jesse in the pasture when they came and found him. Moses was on the backside of a desert for 40 years when God found him. Samuel was serving in Eli's house when God found him. But God had a plan to move all those people that I've just mentioned to a different level. A different level. I believe that God has a plan for everybody in this house. And that plan is to move you from one level to another level. I do not believe that God wants us to remain the way we were five years ago, ten years ago. I think we ought to be climbing and going higher in the provision and the blessings and the, and, the, and the province of God Almighty. Every generation on the screen has a look, it has a sound, it has a belief system, and it has a divine destiny. Look at yourself, look at your neighbor and say, look back at me. I want to tell you something. I have a divine destiny. Say it. We don't say it enough. I have a divine destiny. God's got something for me in my life. We're very curious many times about what it is and what was and what what is to come. We like to see those future things. We like to know what's in the future, like future cars. I remember one day. Our staff went all the way north to have lunch one day, and we went and saw the Teslas when they first came out. And I sat in a Tesla, and I said, Lord, I'm only dreaming, but this sure is nice. What's on the way? We want to know. What will be the next generation? What will computers look like? What will the phones look like and the iPads look like? And what will they be able to do? The truth is, whether it's a weapon of war or curing diseases, leaders will determine what happens in life. While one generation passes, another is struggling for preeminence. The next generation is emerging. You see, David is at the end of his reign. Now, if you want me to just get absolutely plain with you, David was in a bed. He couldn't get up. He was hopelessly helpless. He had to have help all the time. He was at the end of his life. And there's a struggle for kingship for the next generation. There's a struggle for who's going to be the leader. And the next, I want want you to listen to this. The next Bill Gates, folks, is probably sitting in a Starbucks somewhere right now drinking coffee. The next Osama bin Laden is somewhere in a terrorist training camp right now. And the next big world leader is somewhere 
eating his mom's cooking at a dinner table somewhere tonight. And the leaders of tomorrow are some of the children that are in our CLC kids and our youth group next door right now. Samuel is already in Eli's house. He's already there. The next Elisha is plowing in the field. David said it this way in Psalms 145. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I want to ask you something, generation. Let me ask you something. Has God been good to you in your generation? Then if God has been good to you, you need to praise his mighty acts to the next generation. You don't need to be a disclaimer and say, well, God helped me a little bit, but he didn't bless me that much. I'm telling you, if you're sitting here tonight, feel with the presence of God and have a sound mind and have a place to go home and lay your head. He has been good to you. He has helped you. He has rescued you. He has touched your life and brought you from a great distance to where you are tonight. Amen. There is an unbroken flow of worship and anointing that flows from one generation to another. See, David has pronounced that Solomon, Solomon should be king. But before David can pass, and Solomon can rise. Before David can pass on the anointing to his son Solomon, uh, Adonijah seizes the moment. I wrote it in huge font. Adonijah seizes the moment. Because there is a window of opportunity for an imposter. I believe we are in the midst of a generational shift right now. If you see what's happening in the world... And understand what's happening abroad, even in California today. And I'm not a fear monger preacher. But if you see what's happening, we are living in a day like we have never lived in in our life. There's a generational shift happening in our world. There's something in the heart of God's people that's looking from the shore and seeing a wave of revival coming. If there's ever a time that we need an old-fashioned revival of God's spirit and a revival of healing, it is right now. It's not tomorrow. There's a generational touch that's coming, a new train that's coming into our society today. I believe that. Because when evil starts abounding, grace will much more abound in our hearts and our lives. Oh, I want to preach tonight a little bit. But just before that next wave hits, there's always an undercurrent. There's a flow in and then there's an undercurrent out. Then there's a flow in. We were down in South Texas several years ago and my wife and the kids were out in the, out in the ocean off the beach. And they were trying to get from one sandbar to another. And a wave came and kind of took my wife's breath. And then that undertow took her under. And when she came back up, another wave was coming and, and she could not get her breath. If it had not been for the quick hand of a man that understood the wave situation, she might not be here with me tonight. In fact, when we went a little later to an ice cream place, <laughs> yeah, an ice cream place, that's where I stay. I didn't mean to work that into the sermon. We went to an ice cream place. My grandson said, Bo, there's the man that saved sweet pea. There's the man that saved her from drowning. And I went over and he had a huge family and I said, man, get anything you want. I'm going to pay for everything you buy. 
because I want you to be, I want you to know I'm thankful for saving my wife. He said, sir, it's what anything, anybody would do. I said, no, not just anybody. It takes a real man. It takes a real hero to step up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to save somebody. And Patty was saved because the undercurrent that would have took her under, she was saved by a leader that knew what to do in those moments. The enemy would like to seize that gap between the waves of revival that are coming and the undertow and steal the glory of God away from the church of the living God. Tell somebody there's a wave coming. Say it like you mean it. There's a wave coming. I'm going to rear back and say it real loud. There's a wave of revival coming. The Lord is not going to leave this church in a gap. He's not going to leave this church in a gap. He's going to give this church the revival that we've always been praying for and always believed God for. We're not going out with a whimper. We're going out with a shout. We're going out with a glorious shout. God is with his church now. So we're in a transitional shift of better things. And the enemy would like to steal our worship, steal our power, steal our purpose, steal our pursuit. Trying to tell us that our children are going to follow rock stars instead of the bright morning star. That our churches are going to follow secular leaders and not spiritual leaders. You hear this. God knows how to raise his church up. And put the Antichrist imposter down. He knows how to elevate his church. God wants us to stand in a new place of authority. Oh, I feel it right now. He wants you to stand, Dad, in a new place of authority. If I was listening to this sermon and I went home tonight, I would anoint every window in my house. I would rebuke every enemy that would come in any door of my house. I would put a, I put a angels of the Lord around my children. I would do everything I could to protect what God has given me to raise for the kingdom of God because there's a wave of revival coming in. But in the undercurrent, the undertow, there's something wants to stick up his head and say, I'm king today. No, Adonijah, you're not king. You're not king. You'll never be king. God Almighty is our king. Never. If God says we're going higher, then higher we will go. If God says you can have that mountain, then claim it right now. Lay claim on it now. It's God that raises up. And it's God that sets one down. Solomon is supposed to be the king. But in the gap, in the transition... And because David was a sick and an old man, Adonijah exalts himself. And the Bible said if we will humble ourselves, God will exalt us. God knows how to resist the proud. Lucifer said in Isaiah 14, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. See, Adonijah had this problem that a lot of people have, and, and I'm going to stay on it very, very shortly. If he can get someone to agree with him that he's king, if he can get four or five people to agree and then get 50 men to run before him, then he's going to be king. So the question was then posed, if King David said Solomon shall reign, then why does Adonijah reign today? Let me declare it now. Are you ready? 
Adonijah only reigned for about 24 hours, one day. But there's a lot of Adonijah spirits that want to attack the revival and the move of God that's coming into our church. And we, we think that they're going to last a lifetime. And Adonijah only reigned for about a day. He gathered Joab. He gathered Abiathar. He gathered 50 men. But it do, he does not invite Solomon. He does not invite Zadok. He does not invite Nathan. He does not invite Benaniah to the party. Because he thinks he can intimidate the rightful heirs and cause them to give up and back away and say, I just can't claim the promise. Can I preach a little bit right now? You're going to face some Adonijahs in the wave of revival that's coming. Because the undertow pops things out of the ocean and the water that you've never experienced before in your life. We're facing things in this last hour we've never faced in our day. We're facing things now that our forefathers would say, my God, I can't believe it's going to be that way. But I will tell you this, the greater the enemy fights the church, the greater the power that we're going to have to resist the enemy. The greater the enemy comes against us, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. God did not bring us here to go out whimpering and say, I've got to back off. I can't hold on to what I still believe. I can't believe that my kids can be raised right. I can't believe that my family can be saved. And Adonijah wants to rise up and say, yeah, that's right. But something inside of me is saying we can still see the glory of the Lord in our life. It still can happen. I'm so sorry. I'm so passionate tonight. We, we've got a charge in our life. We've got a calling in our life. And those things that just rain a day cannot stop us and cause us to give up and back up. Every move of God in every generation has its strengths and has its weaknesses. It's interesting to know that Solomon is Bathsheba's son. And Solomon's supposed to be king. Her legacy was stained. Her name was not spoken in honor. Disdain was her company. Hurt was her soul. She had issues because of the sin that she committed with King David and losing her husband in battle. But God gets some people from the most unlikely circumstances. There are people who feel disqualified because of their pedigree, because of their failures, because of their B.C. before Christ. So you would think if David's going to pick a son to be king, he would not get the son of Bathsheba. Because we all know about Bathsheba. But hear this, Pastor. Sometimes it's a danger to have all the right qualifications in your life. Judas of the 12 was the only religious person that Jesus chose. I rest my case. When you feel you have it all, you tend to think that it's you that made it happen. That's why the Bible says some men trust in horses and some in chariots. But we will trust in the Lord. I wrote this down. Blessed is the man 
who knows what he doesn't know. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, I want to preach tonight. Loosely it means blessed is the man who knows what he needs from God. Who doesn't have to be told that he needs this from God. God, I've got a little spirit of telling not the truth all the time. I need a, I need a touch to help my tongue. God, I got a problem with my character. Would you come down and help me with my character? God, I got a problem with somebody in the church. Can you come down and help me deal with that problem in the church? Blessed is the man that knows what he has need of. The enemy will have his day. But just a day, Adonijah, no longer. When you get so good at what you're doing that you don't think you need God's anointing or God's help, your day is over, Adonijah. If we don't have a move of God, put it on the screen, we don't have anything. Say it with me. If we don't have a move of God, we don't have anything. I love Moses. I love Moses. I know people said he stuttered and he couldn't talk plain and all that. I love Moses. I love him. Can you imagine being on the backside of a desert for 40 years and all of a sudden the bush starts burning and it won't quit burning and the bush won't burn up? And God says, here's what I want you to do. And it's a long story short. He said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Me? Me? Go tell him, let my people go. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine how he went from a zero to a hero? When he walks in the palace and throws down his stick and they throw down their sticks, his becomes a serpent and theirs becomes serpents. But the difference was his serpent ate their serpents up. Because Moses had a, had a deliverance doctrine. Moses had something that said, we're going to take you out of here. Theirs was just for show. His was for go. Are you with me? And now, and now it's several, it's several days later. Now they're, they're out of the, they're out of Egypt. They're in the, they're in the wilderness. And now he goes up on the mountain and, and he, he starts arguing with God. He starts arguing with God and God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm not, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I'm tired of these people. I'm already give out with them. I'm tired of them. I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to give you houses. I'm going to give you wells. I'm going to give you vineyards, but I'm not going with you. And Moses backed up. Can you imagine this man who was, according to the Bible, one of the meekest men that ever lived? Can you imagine? Even though he had come from zero to a hero, and he had led these people across the Red Sea, and the Red Sea had folded up and swallowed all the Egyptian army and all the chariots and all the horsemen. Can you imagine how big it might have felt to say, hey, how many of you pastor? I pastor two and a half million. How many of you got in your church? Well, we got about 40 in our little convention, but we got two and a half million. Boy, I tell you, it's great to pastor a big church. But Moses gets up on that mountain, and God said, you're going to go by yourself. And Moses looks up, and he said, God, I don't know what you think that I am, but I want to tell you something. I can't do this without you. I can't make it without you. If you don't go with us, just go ahead and kill me also. If you're going to kill them, kill me. I'm not going to go without you. I stand here tonight, folks, telling you, I don't have the answers to all the Adonijahs that's popping their heads up in the world and all the things that are trying to take our attention away from the wave of revival. But I know one thing. I stand here tonight and saying, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go either. The only way this church is going to succeed is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. Would somebody help me preach right now? We need an old-fashioned wave of his glory and power in our house today.
I want everybody, I want everybody to get up and say hallelujah one time, except Brother Reuben. He said it enough. Everybody say hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. We need a move of God. It's an old-fashioned sermon. I'm preaching old-fashioned tonight. I need God's help. I love our choir. We've set them down for a few weeks because of our three service. We're going to pick the choir up first of the year. Everybody clap your hands and say that's good. I love our music. We've got some wonderful musicians. Dan Dean bragged on our music Sunday like nobody's business. He said it's the best band he's ever heard anywhere he's ever been. But it's not about impressing anybody that matters. David played skillfully. But it was the anointing of God that lifted burdens and destroyed yokes. And the moment we think we've got this church thing figured out, that's when our God withdraws himself. The Bible said he's nigh to the humble. But he regards the proud from afar. Sometimes I think God exalts the underqualified people just to aggravate the qualified people. Because God said, you're not going to do this without me. Wouldn't it be just like God to build himself a church out of people who came out of imperfect situations? Wouldn't it be just like God to build churches out of dysfunctionality? Wouldn't that just be just like God? Because God understands you're not going to make it in this life. You're not going to make it through tribulation. You're not going to make it through pain and fear. You're not going to make it through hurt and harm without my presence. That's why I'm telling you, there's a wave coming. And even though Adonijah picks his head and said, you're not going to get there. You're not going to have the king that you want. We are going to still love the king that we want. We're still going to have Jesus in our life. When we go through everything in our heart, we're going to have Jesus in our life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. Every move of God, every move of God has its strengths and weaknesses. Adonijah was built out of the weaknesses of David's kingdom. Now listen, listen to me. Adonijah was born during David's second anointing when he was only king of Judah. David had three anointings. The anointing of the sheepfold. When Jesse's house, he was anointed. Then the anointing. And, and Hebron when he was anointed over Judah, the southern kingdom. Then he was anointed over all of Israel. And when he was anointed over all of Israel, that's when Solomon was born. When David had dominion, he had a son named Solomon. And Solomon was built out of the strengths of David's kingdom, not out of the weaknesses. The only reason Adonijah reigned is because no one stepped forward and said, Solomon is king. No one said it. David was too weak. Bathsheba was too shy with her background. Nobody would step out and say Solomon is king. See, the spirit of Adonijah reigns today when no one steps up and says Jesus is Lord. How many of you really believe without a shadow of a doubt that even though we're we're, we're running with the footman and we're going to have to run with horsemen someday, how many believe that Jesus is still Lord? Come on. Come on. You believe that? You believe that? You believe that? There is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I want to tell every false religion in this world that one day you're going to bow to Jesus Christ. We're not going to bow to your false gods. 
you're going to bow to Jesus Christ. I want to tell every disease in this world today, one day you're going to bow to Jesus Christ. I want to tell every disobedient person in this house, one day you're going to bow to Jesus Christ. I want to tell every disobedient in the whole world, one day you're going to bow because it's the only saving name. It's the name that heaven and earth are called by and we're going to elevate it. We're not going to praise another God here tonight. We're going to praise the Jesus Lord of our life. We're going to praise the one that saved us. We're going to praise the one that died for us. We're going to praise the one that was buried and rose again. He is the saving name. He is the saving name. He is the saving name. See, transitional generations have spent a lot of time dealing with issues that past the past has handed us. I'm almost finished. The Solomon generation must put to death the weaknesses of the imposter, the Adonijah generation. David gives Solomon a list of names that must be dealt with. It's called the hit list. And so King David tells Benaniah to go tell Solomon, here's what I want you to do. Now, I want you to understand this. I want you to listen to this. King David was royalty. Everybody say royalty. Everybody say Zadok was a priest. Say priest. Everybody say Nathan was a prophet. Say prophet. So you had royalty, and with the priest and the prophet, you had divinity. But then you had Benaniah who what I call was a lay person. He was just a defender, a guardian. He did not have a title. He was just a man. I call him a sheep. That's what we all are. We're sheep of his pasture. And when he walked in to Solomon, he knew he was looking at the king that should reign on the throne. Here's what I want to try to preach tonight. Royalty, the royalty of heaven knows that Jesus is the saving name. And the prophets and the priests of the world know that Jesus is the saving name. But what I want you to understand as laity members of this church, that you are welcome into this place. And you need to also understand that Jesus is the saving name. You hear me. It does not matter what comes against you. There is no name greater than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not matter. We had, a, we had a beautiful friend. In fact, her and her husband live not far from our church. They live out in another town. And every now and then they'll visit our church. She was attacked one night by a man that said, I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to kill you. And he had her by the, by the neck and had a knife around her neck. And all of a sudden she just got bold. And she said, I declare something right now. She said, it just came all over me. In Jesus' name, you are not going to harm me one ounce. And all of a sudden, the man started trembling. And she said, I thought it was done. I thought he was going to go ahead and do it. She said, he dropped the knife. He backed up. When I turned around, he was white with terror. And he said, don't say that name over me anymore. <laughs> the devil believes. The devil understands that there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The man turned and ran. He left the place. 
She got a description. He was later arrested. He was arrested for only threatening her, but he went to jail. Here's what I want to tell you. You've got a saving name, a powerful name, a glorious name, a holy name, a righteous name, a godly name, a name that angels rejoice over, a name that every knee shall bow to. We're not going to succumb to the Adonijahs of the world. This church will have revival in the end time because we submit that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Benaniah said, Solomon, Joab's in the church. The hit list is out on Joab's in the church. He's holding on to the altar. Solomon said, go take him out. And Adonijah, the chief of Solomon's army, went to the church, went to the altar, and took Joab out, who was the chief supporter of the king for a day. And he was killed. Later, even though his life was spared the first time, Adonijah was later killed because he broke the truce the second time. That's another story. But the Bible said, after Joab was killed, is when Solomon's throne was established. So what, I'm, what I want to preach a little bit here tonight is this. If you find something in your heart that is rising up against the spirit of the Lord, you need to slay it. If you find something in your spirit that is not lacking to the, the, the presence of God, you need to slay it. If you find something in your attitude that is becoming rebellious and rejective of the word of God and the, and the truth of God, you need to slay it. And if you find it in the church as a pastor, we need to find it and slay it. Because I'm telling you, Adonijah is trying to take over our day by day by day by day living. And I don't have enough chances on Wednesday and just Sunday to preach to you like I'm preaching right now. But I will tell you that Jesus is Lord. Solomon is king and Jesus is king of this world. Amen. He told John, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell in the grave. I am king of kings and I am Lord of lords. And this church will honor the son, will honor Jesus Christ till we go home and see Jesus Christ. Because he is the king of our life tonight. Clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. So it's time for this generation. Help me, Brother Randy. It's time for this generation to exalt the Lord. It's time to exalt the name that's above every name. The enemy is trying to occupy a place that does not belong to him. We've got to get him out. So I ask the questions, why does sickness reign? Why does sin reign? Why does, why does depression reign? Why does hopelessness reign? We're living in the most hope-filled time of our existence, the birth of Jesus Christ. And yet there's so many people that are hopeless tonight. And they feel like that they don't have a tomorrow. It's time to get rid of Adonijah. It's time to get rid of those feelings that says, I am king. He's not. I am. This book right here keeps me from sin. But sin can also keep me from this book. So I must have the word of God. And folks, it's more than just reading the word. Faith cometh by hearing. Somebody said, well, pastor, I don't need church. I can just read my Bible. No, 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 no. You need somebody to preach that word to you. Faith comes by hearing. 
and hearing by the word of God. And faith comes when you pray and you build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. And faith comes when you're tried. And when you understand that when you're tried and you win, then faith is built. It's the only three ways faith can be built. So I'm preaching to you tonight. You must hear the word of the Lord. Today's a good time to be in the house of the Lord where there's an altar. Everything that's keeping us from our destiny and ministry in the church can be abolished at an altar. Every Joab spirit, every Adonijah attitude. Solomon's wisdom says it must die at an altar. I want to tell you something. This altar is always open. I was so pleased Sunday when Pastor Dan singing and just talking to us. I was so pleased with Sunday when, when he gave the altar appeal. This altar just filled up. Now, let, let me say something. The thing that makes this church different than a lot of churches, and I'm going to close. There's a lot of great preaching. I don't, even know. I, don't, I don't even know if I'm in the great category. I, I think I do pretty good every now and then, but not all the time. But there's a lot of great singing. We got some great singing. I can brag on our singing. There's a lot of great music. But the difference in this church and a lot of churches is relationship. Are you with me? You're not going to walk out of here just a person. You're going to walk out of here with love, with affection, and with somebody caring about you. We don't stay on that porch just to make friends and influence people. We want people to know that this is a house that loves you. And I want you to leave here every time you leave here understanding that somebody loved you enough to study and pray and prepare to give you a gospel tonight. A gospel. Why does Adonijah reign? Because we're not saying it enough that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. I want to close with a little story. I told it last night. I told it last night. There was a football game going on in the state of Georgia one day. And the first string quarterback got hurt. And the second string quarterback could not move the ball. And there was a little third string quarterback, an underclassman, that decided that he he had had enough of Georgia not being able to move the ball. So he just ran into the field, tapped the quarterback, the second string quarterback on the shoulder and said, hey, Coach sent me in, go to the bench. When the coach saw that this quarterback had gone into the game, he turned to the offensive coordinator and said, did you send him in? He said, no, I didn't. And the offensive coordinator said, I thought you sent him in, coach. He said, no, I didn't send him in. He said, go find out who sent him in. But by the time they found out that nobody had sent him in, he had already scored a touchdown. (laughs) And the rest was history. Oh, by the way, he's a Hall of Famer. They call him Fran Tarkington. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometime during this month, sometime during this month, we need some people that have sat on the sidelines and watched the church just go on down the field. We need you to get your helmet on and come on and join this Jesus movement and this Godship that we're headed toward a place called heaven. Amen? And say, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of just sitting and watching the game. I want to get involved because who knows? Who knows what God may have up his sleeve for you in your life? Who knows? 
Amen. There may be a missionary sitting here and, and the devil would say, Adonijah would say, you know what? You know what? You, you don't have anything. There may be a singer here. There may be somebody that would, that would change the world. There may be a world changer in here. But because of your BC, your before Christ past, you have believed the Adonijahs of your life that rise up day by day and try to defeat and destroy what God has for you in your life. Put your helmet on, strap your chin strap, and let's get in the game. Let's watch, let's watch this church move forward. We are the church of the living God. Amen? Amen? And what God has established, you hear me? What God has blessed, hell can never curse. What God has blessed, hell can never curse. Clap your hands real big and rejoice in that right now. Rejoice in that right now. Rejoice in that right now. Amen. 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 Now, you know what, folks? Somebody come in and I said, Pastor, I sure am sleepy. And I said, well, you won't have long to take a nap because we don't hold church long. But I'll try not to put you to sleep. If I put you to sleep tonight, would you punch your neighbor and say, wake up, pastor's done. Everybody say, pastor, why does that deny your reign? Because Solomon needs to be quoted as being king. We need to tell the world that Solomon's king. Why does evil keep us down? Because we need to tell the world. That Jesus is king of our life. He's Lord of our life. He's Lord of our life. He's Lord of our life. And that concludes today's podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.